Open your Bibles to the book of Joel, okay? And as you get there, right after Hosea, page 806 in my Bible. I know that's helping you tremendously. Okay. There's a message truth right across the top of your box on your outline, the teaching notes today, and it just says, a love relationship with God is the only hope in the day of judgment. Do you have a relationship with him? I stress that arena all the time about following Jesus, and it's about our relationship, our union with our Savior, with our Lord, following him, knowing him, not some religious, ritualistic activity. So this morning as we get looking here, when I think about minor prophets, it's so easy to overlook these small books in our private devotions, in our, in our times of preaching, teaching, whatever. And a lot of times, you know, it's, it's easier to forget something. You just kind of overlook it. You just, uh, uh, you think, well, this isn't up to date. And I know what your moms do. You, when, when a toy goes out of date or it's not up to date or your kid doesn't think it's cool, you do what with it? You put it in a garage sale or, or you give it to somebody you don't like. And uh, no, no, I'm just teasing. And, uh, but, you know, so it kind of becomes out of mind, out of sight, that kind of thing. But here are these books. I just thought this summer we would, we would dive into these. So there's a lot of teaching that I want to do. And I just want you to know, uh, try to write in a lot of stuff because I just gave a real basic outline. But this morning, Joel, he, he would, uh, he was written for several reasons. And one, Joel is wait, written as a wake-up call. Just write somewhere in your worship guide, it's a wake-up call. You know, we get those wake-up calls from friends and strangers and family, but sometimes we get a wake-up call in our life. And Joel is trying to tell the people, you have sinned greatly against Israel. You have sinned greatly against the God of heaven, and you need to wake up to the reality. Judgments are coming. There's a plague of locusts that we'll look at. Secondly, he serves as a trumpet call. The, the warning has been sounded. People of faith, people of God, hear because the day of the Lord is near. How many of you believe the day of the Lord is near? You know, the Bible talks a lot about last days, and it talks about the day of the Lord. We'll try to break that down this morning, maybe some understanding. Also, Joel was written as a warning to the nations, to the Gentile nations, to the nations of the world that have mistreated Israel. Did y'all know we are to protect Israel? Did y'all know we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? That, that, let me tell you, when America, and we've had some mess, and, and you military, I know a lot of times y'all can't speak about this, but I can. Uh, when we go against Israel, I'm going to tell you guys, we're going against the God of heaven. And the church said, man, we, boy, y'all are great. Maybe y'all should go to the UN. You know, I did some research. Did you know there's a lot of times in 2012, I know it to be true, there were more resolutions and stuff that went against Israel than all the other nations of the world in the United Nations combined. People pick on Israel. Let me tell you, it's not going to go well for them in the end. We'll see it, Joel. And the other thing is uh, the high importance of the day of the Lord. It's five times in total. Uh, and then and, and you, you read in other places, you see this mentioned like 70 different times. You just see this theme over and over. So look right there across the top of your outline. It says the first part is the day of the locusts. Now, we could talk about locusts and invasions and, and, and all those kind of things for a while. But basically, God is trying to tell the people of, uh, uh, in Joel's day, and he's telling us, the people of Israel, Jehovah's God. God reigns. God rules. Uh, even though this little book is, is really short, it's, it's only three chapters, and, but it, it packs a real punch. Um, I found something that I wasn't familiar with, and, and I encourage you to do it. Just not in the service because I don't want to hear it. If, if you go to your iPhone, you go on your iPad, and you can get some audio versions of the message of the 
contemporary version, the message, and you can get books of the Bible and you can listen to it. And I just went because I've been reading Joel over and over, and it's only three chapters. So yesterday I just sat down, I'd been saturating myself with the Word, and I just listened to it from the message. And, and it could be an exercise this afternoon if you want to continue this study in Joel, just listening to the version of the Scripture. Some of you are auditory learners. You like to, uh, to learn that way. I'm a visual learner. I love visual, but audio is also a cool way to learn. I just thought I'd mention that. So he talks about these, uh, these locusts, and he talks about the stages of development that we've learned. You know, they gnaw on things, they get wings, they fly, they look all around, white powder, they devour everything in sight. Uh, I thought about this image when we talk about locusts. Have you ever been out in the country and a big, a big grasshopper jumped on you? Has it ever happened? And if you're country folk, you're going, big deal. Now, if you're city-fied like I am, it is a big deal. I mean, big old grasshopper jump on you, and it really freaks you out is when he gets up close to your face. And I'm just talking one. And I've had several jump on me. Can you imagine an invasion of locusts that would just cover your body, that would cover the land, and when you walk, it would go crunch, crunch, crunch. Aren't you feeling it now? Yeah, you're just going, oh, gross. And so this morning, right now, we're going to have some people bring in, and they're going to bring locusts in. Let's bring the locusts in now. <laughs> no, I don't think so. we got enough trouble here anyway. Okay. So uh, let me just get you to write down a, a passage today, because I can preach for hours, and I won't. Just an hour and a half. Um, Matthew, I'm just kidding. Matthew 24. You want to read Matthew 24. You want to read Ezekiel 36 through 39. You want to read Revelation Chapter 6 through 19. Are you kind of getting a feel of where I'm going? This is a very prophetic book. To better understand Joel, you need to align yourself and read Scripture. A lot of times people say, Pastor, you give us too much. And a lot of people say, Pastor, we like that you give us the Word of God. And God's church said. So that's my responsibility is to give you the Word. I want you to go, yeah, he always preaches on Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and his favorite verse. And then we repeat them. Like, anyway, just... I'm going to go on before I get in trouble. Okay, so nat natural, uh, I read this and I agree. Certainly God does send natural calamities when nations refuse to obey him. Wars, poor crops, earthquakes, storms. God uses all of these situations to bring people to their knees. And in the book of Joel, it's prophetic, and God is trying to bring the nations to their knees for sinning greatly against the God of heaven and against Israel. Now, our God is good, our God is just, our God is perfect, our God is sovereign. But i got to just tell you, a lot of this stuff happens because we brought it on ourselves because we're in a fallen world. I, I tell you this all the time, this world is not fair. Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. When we get reunited with the Lord Jesus Christ, then things will be made right. Amen? And when he comes for a new earth and a new heaven, everything gets perfect, everything gets fair, everything gets sorted out, but that's not his end. All right, let's go ahead and fill this in. Proclamation, chapter 1, verses through 20. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Joel, so the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all you who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your forefathers? Verse 3, tell it to your children. Let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. Let's stop right there. In Deuteronomy, in Joel, in Scripture, God intends for you and I to pass along the Word of God from generation to generation. In Scripture, before we had Holy Scripture like this, and they had scrolls, and they didn't have all the text, 
It was oral tradition. And you would go into a village, you would go into a community, and they would tell the story. What I'm sad about today, storytelling has been replaced by the medium of social media, by the medium of television, by the medium of whatever. We don't tell the story. Church, we've got to repent. We've got to tell the story of our faithful God to generation, to generation, to generation. Okay, well, three or four of you think so. It's one of the things I love. Don and I are getting to tell our grandchildren now about the the presence and the love of Jesus. And her mom and dad are so quick to share and to live the scripture. And I, I look at that example and I'm thinking, and she can already tell you she, one of her favorite things, God's holy word. She'll tell me that. I'm like, that's right, baby. That's right. And I want you to treasure that. It'll keep you from sin. So look what sin does. Fill in. Sin brings judgment. Every time we sin, we bring judgment on ourselves. Thanks, thanks be to God for the cross of Jesus. But sin brings judgment. A lot of times people don't like to talk about sin because it's not very comfortable. People have broken covenant with God. They become unfaithful to God. The autumn, the spring rains, the, the crops, the fruit, the wine, everything just dried up. It was just gone. It, they brought judgment on themselves. You know, i got to tell you, I think in so many ways we're bringing judgment on ourselves as a nation, aren't we, church? And we got to repent. And we'll talk about it in a minute, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You can run it down now because I'll get there in a minute. But God reveals himself. So here, let's just go on down, verse 4. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. So just manifestations, locusts, just devastation. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, the other locusts have eaten. Do you get an idea the locusts are pests? Do you get the idea that these little insects are just taking over? Verse 5, wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Well, all you drinkers of wine, well because of the new wine, for it's been snatched from your lips. A nation has invaded my land, powerful without number. It has teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste. My vines are ruined, my fig trees. They're stripped of all their bark. It's thrown away. They leave their branches white. And he just goes on and on. It's like, man, it's just, it's bad. It's just devastation. He's like, man, lament. And lament means cry, cry out to God. Turn from your sin that we'll see in a minute. I mean, you just, you read through Joel and he's just, everything's just, man, going south. Look in verse 9. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning. Those who minister before the Lord, they, they, they don't have all the things that they need. I mean, the land, man, it's, it's in bad shape. Verse 10. The fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine's dried up. The oil fails. Despair your farmers. Well, you vine growers. Grief. The wheat and the barley, the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up. The fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, the apple tree, the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. Ooh, it's devastating. It's depressing. It's judgment. Review it with me. Sin brings... Let's do it again. Sin brings... Yeah, okay, you're saying, wow. You see, today you're going to go, what did the preacher talk about? He talked about fleas. Well, I did talk about fleas, but we talked about locusts. But we want to talk about the faithfulness of Jesus. And we want to talk about sin brings reproach. Sin brings judgment on the people. Sin brings judgment on the nations. Sin brings judgment on our families, on our church, on whatever, when we don't live according to the, the gospel of Christ. So the harvest has perished. And then he moves in this section. Just uh, I could just keep reading. Matter of fact, let, let's move down here 13. Put on sackcloth, O priest, mourn well who minister. Tear your clothes. Spend the night in sackcloth. You who minister before my God, the grain offerings of 
drink offerings are withheld. 14, declare a fast. Call a sacred assembly. He's calling the elders. He's calling the leaders. He's calling the people. Turn from your sin. Call on God. Ask God to heal our land. Ask God to do a new work. God, we're sorry for how we've treated you. Can anybody make an application of anything I've already said this morning? Thousands of years ago, Joel prophesied the word of the Lord. He was 100% on. And when I look today, I'm thinking, wow, God, we, we, need, to, we need to turn. Lord, we need to make it right. So, and, and then he moves on down to chapter 2. Blow the trumpet. Now, that sounds a little weird. Somebody come here blowing the trumpet today, you'd be like, well, that, that's a little different. Sound the alarm. I understand that on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It's close at hand. It's a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, like dawn spreading across the mountains. A large and mighty army comes, such as never was of old, nor ever will be in ages to come. Before them, fire devours. Behind them, a flame blazes. Before them, the land is like the Garden of Eden. Behind them, a desert waste. It's Death Valley there. They have the appearance of horses. They gallop a lot like the cavalry with noise like the chariots. They, they leap over mountaintops like a crackling fire. They consume stubble like a, um, a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them, nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. Man, I'm just going, I'm reading this and I'm going, man, Lord, they've sinned against you. We, we've turned, Lord, your wrath. I, I like what uh, Wayne Gruden said. God's wrath means that God intensely hates all sin. I want you to write that down today. God hates our sin. I tend to nurse my sin and hate your sin. You tend to nurse your own sin and hate other sin. God says I hate all sin. My cross is my love for you. My cross is justice with my Father. My cross makes you right with me, holy God. My cross is where I took on all your sin, Keith. I took on all your sin, friends, at the cross. Lord, lead us to the cross this morning. I love Old Testament because it points me to the law, to the cross. And now we look back and we're just saying, God, give us something. Teach us. Lord, we get angry. We, uh, does anybody here ever get angry? Yeah. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. That's kind of hard. But sometimes we can have righteous indignation. It's just most of the time it's selfish anger. Uh, has anybody ever been exploited by the rich? Yeah, you, you didn't like that. When children are abused, does anybody get upset but me? Yeah, yeah we, we all get on our high horse this morning and go, abusing the children, let's set them on fire. Yeah, that'd be the love of Christ. And uh, not the children, I'm talking about the people that did it. <laughs> wow, help me, Lord. But sin rightly provokes anger. So God, help us to, to get this right. So Joel says God's patience has run out. He's here now in anger for his justice to show you his justice is coming. The Lord is long-suffering. The Lord is patient. Are you grateful the Lord's patient? I am. Because the Lord has not come again, my friends have an opportunity to receive the gospel and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm always grateful that he hasn't come yet. I long for his appearing. I long for him to break the eastern sky. But it's a good thing that he hasn't come for so many. Uh, so here's this thing. And then he says the day of the Lord in the last days. Listen to this. The last days, the biblical term describing the period of time filled with prophetic events of signs and wonders that lead us to the rapture of the church. How many of you believe in the rapture of the church this morning? I love the rapture of the church. I believe in it. I think Thessalonians and all scripture teaches it. The period between the rapture and the tribulation 
also all leans itself, builds toward the second coming of Christ. And so this morning, we, if, if we had hours, I would just continue to unpack this. And then the day of the Lord is describing the culmination of all the events in world history. And the physical, literal, sucking coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's when Christ wins the final battle of, starts with an A. What's it called? Armageddon. And he wins that battle. And then he comes and he literally touched down on the foot of the Mount of Olives. And Christ reigns supreme. And you see the millennial reign of Christ. And we could just walk on and on through these things. I, I, love, I love that Christ rules now from heaven, but he's going to touch down. He's going to rule his earth. He's going to have a millennial reign in, in the last days. In that thousand-year period, many are going to come to Christ. Jews will come. Those, And it's going to be hard. And, and it's... I need about an hour to try to explain all this to you. But it, I just this morning, I just wanted you to get hungry for the Word. I wanted you to begin to study apple, um, apocalypt, uh, apocalyptic. Yeah, easy for you to say. I, I was like, I had all these words in my brain. Like, that's the wrong word. And, and I want you to begin to study, uh, here we go. Here's our seminary word, eschatology, end times. I just Because a lot of times I don't preach on this a lot, and, and I'll believe it. And, I, and the Lord's just saying, in some of these books, you're going to talk about some end time prophecy. And I know a lot of people get it wrong, and a lot of people get it right, and we're getting parts of it right. But I do not want you to be ignorant, my brethren. I want you to know that Christ will come again, and he will rapture his church. And the church said yeah so the lord's day is he displays his leadership and in these nations they deserve judgment the gentile nations that have sinned greatly against israel god will judge them do you believe that i do so when you hear of when we're doing dumb things as our country as other countries go against israel go oh man wait pastor start talking about this i'm reading joel i'm reading ezekiel i'm reading the prophets and I don't think it's what the Lord has for us. Um, I just want you to write down Numbers chapter 11, verses 24 through 30. And, and basically, uh, Joel wasn't the only Old Testament guy that longed that God would saturate his people with the Spirit. Joel talks about calling down the Lord, the Lord pouring out his Spirit. Moses had that same prayer, and basically he had the Spirit of the Lord on him in such a mighty way. And it says, the Lord came down in the cloud, and he spoke to him, he took some of the Spirit that was upon him, and he put it on the 70 elders, and when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. How many of you believe that in Christ, if those are, which are alive, that we, and today, that we have the power to speak life over nations and over people? How many of you believe that today? We have that Spirit. The spirit of Christ, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom. We just don't talk about it very much. And we don't walk in that kind of kingdom authority. Uh, a side margin, here, here's what I'm hoping today you're going to get out of this study. Get saturated and soaked with the word of God. Become men, women, boys, and girls of the word. Let your mind continually feast on this. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. May the meditations of our hearts, our minds, be acceptable in your sight because God, we're soaked in Scripture. So he goes here, sin brings judgment. There's tribulation here, blowing the trumpet, alarm. And then verse uh, 11, listen to this. Um, let, me, let me get here. Crackling, consuming here. Let me turn the page. Verse 11. The Lord thunders. Th that's pretty cool. Did y'all see the thunder light show God put on this week? 
You didn't see it? It was really cool. It was, it was, it was heat thunder, and I could see it in the distance. And it was like God, I, I was laughing. I was standing outside watching it. And it was like God was flipping on the light switch, and then he'd cut it off. And then he'd say, but I can. And I'll cut it on again, and I'll cut it off. I know you're going, you have a weird mind. It was just fascinating. It didn't happen in your neighborhood. Maybe it was just for me. Okay, here we go. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number. So mighty are those who obey his command. The day, look at this, underline, the day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Oh, man, you, you look at this. And it's terrible for the rebellious. It's terrible for those that sin against God, against Jehovah. But to all that will repent, to all that will turn their heart toward the Lord, he will be with us. Our God is for us. He is not against us. He sings over us. And yet I think about all this agony and ashes and tearing and sackcloth. And yet God's saying, say to the church, I don't so much want external things. I want internal transformation of the heart. I just want to transform your heart, church. Individual, I just want to change your heart. I, I want you to move down. I love this next section. I've had it squared in so many of my Bibles. Verse 13, chapter 2. Draw a box around this if you're writing your Bibles. You'll come back to this verse often. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. He is patient God. And, and when I read that, I, I think, God, you want me to return to you. You want, me, you want to be my first love. You want me to evangelize. You want me to herald the good news. You want me to tell all about Jesus. You want the church to be proclaimers of the gospel. You want all these military and flossy as they move. You want them to tell their next communities about Jesus. Lord, help us to be that kind of people. Lord, help us to repent. Help us to turn. Help us to rend our hearts. And you just read this section. I'm not going to read it all for sake of time, but I want you to read it. It's a, it's a short book. You, you can do it by yourself. And you'll say, God, I bring to you a broken heart. I've sinned against you, Father. And my confession is, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sin and get specific. And then, Lord, keep me broken. Keep me broken in your presence, Lord Jesus. See, I think if our church really gets broken and we get broken before the Lord, I believe the Lord God pours out his, his Holy Spirit on this church like I've never seen. How many of you believe that? When we're broken vessels for him. But if we're prideful, he says, I oppose the proud, I give grace to the humble. So Lord, we thank you for that. So blessings. Let me just say this. As I studied Joel, I thought about America, and I thought about you and me. I love the blessings I enjoy. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I, I bet you enjoy the blessings God's given you. But I would say so many times our blessings take us farther away from the heart of the Father than they do to him. We begin to worship the hands of God. We begin to worship the blessings of God and not God himself. And as God, I pray he would bless and prosper you and me, and I pray he would bless and prosper our church. But I pray, oh, I pray, that we would not have our hearts distracted and drawn and worship another than the one true God, Jehovah. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to get distracted with all our earth stuff. I mean, this morning, if I just got you to turn to people and say, tell people your favorite earth stuff. We all got some stuff we like. We got some stuff we don't share. And, and we're like little kids. I mean, do you ever look at your little kids and go, you need to share, Johnny? <laughs> and you're like, I ain't sharing my rod and reel with you. Man, last time I let you share it, you threw it in the lake and you forget it. 
I ain't sharing my golf club with you. You bent it. You threw it. Well, you got an anger problem. That's another issue. Okay, so here we go. Wake-up call here. So God's just saying, I want to strip things back. I want to lay it back. I want your hearts broken. I want them clean before me. I want, I want you to go after me. And, and let, me, let me just run through a quick sequence of events. You might want to write it down. You probably know this. If you don't, I want to help you. The rapture of the church, seven years of tribulation, Revelations chapter 6 through 19 shows all this. Great tribulation, second coming, destroy the nations. Christ ascends onto the Mount of Olives that I talked about. The thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus. What a cool thing. And I don't know about you, but I'm longing for the second coming of Christ. How about you? And, and we should be as believers. And so like, well, I, I don't want to be. Well, God says, wake up. And all through this book, he tells the people to have sacred assemblies. He tells them to pray. Uh, I want you to go down to, uh, I'm going to move down here with you. Move down to verse 25. I want you to see this. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts and the other locusts and the, and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. This principle, I have prayed over Christ's community for 19 years. We've had many believers over the years that would come to me and they'll say, Pastor, I have wasted my life. I've squandered my time. I've squandered this. I've, go, I've run through marriages. I've run through all kind of sins. I've done this. I'm not worthy. I go, you'll never be worthy. Worthy is the Lamb, the Lord Jesus. And they go, but I'm wasted. Can God use me? And I would say this to you. I don't care what you've done. God can restore anything that the devourer, that the locust, that the devil has tried to eat up. Some of you come here this morning and you think you have no purpose. And I want you today, I want you to believe that I don't care where you've been in the past, your past does not define you. Somebody write that down. That's good. Don't let your past define you any longer. Today is a new day. Live and worship the Jesus Christ with all your heart today. And let him define you. And he can restore a lot of times I can think, oh, man, the first 19 years of my life, oh, man, I didn't do this. I didn't win anybody to Jesus. I, I didn't know Christ. I came to Christ at 19. And I can worry about those 19 years and all my blown chances, or I can think about all the years since 19 and go, praise be to God. And whether you're a little infant that comes to Christ on your tricycle or you're on your uh, Harley Davidson motorcycle and you're an old geezer, I don't care where you are, you start today living for Jesus. Amen? So, hey, so you look at that verse and you just go, God, I love this. You'll repay, you'll renew, you'll restore. So I love that section there. Answers from the Lord. Look at repentance. I just want you to, because I got all this I want to give you, but we're running out of time. Repentance, second part, day of the Lord. Repentance is the gateway to blessing. Write that down. Repentance is a gateway to the blessing of God. I bet everybody here today says, Pastor, I want the blessing of God. I want the blessing of the Father on my life, on my family. I want the blessing on my community, on my nation, on my church. And I'd say it's through repentance. Without repentance, there's no blessing. So this morning, ask yourself, you're saying, I don't seem like I'm blessed of God. Ask yourself, is there sin? Is there things that are hindering your walk with God? Is there things that are hindering your personal relationship with Christ? And if there is, the good news is the Lord can restore that which you've messed up, squandered, wasted, whatever. You've made a mess of it. You know what? My God majors in messes. Isn't that cool? I love that our God majors in messes. Am I looking at a bunch of mess this morning? Oh, you're not. Okay. Well, I am. You're looking at a real mess. And thanks be to God through Jesus Christ working here. So let, let's move to this next section because I want you to see this. So there's three judgments here. I want you to fill it in. 
the Bema judgment, the judgment of the nations, we've been talking about this morning, and the great white throne judgment. And when you look at that, there's the Bema, there's the nations, and there's a white throne. I'm going to try to explain it to you because we could talk through all this prophecy and all the points of why it says what it does in the uh, earlier, you know, when we talked about all the demon locusts that are coming. But what I want you to see this morning, let me get there because I'm having to move down here, just about how powerful it is that God wants us to see these judgments. Now, Bema. Bema would be the word for reward. There is a reward judgment for those that are in Christ Jesus. We will be judged at the Bema seat of Christ. The, the athlete would get the wreath and they would place it on his head for winning the games. And Christ will give us crowns. We'll get rewards for being faithful. So from the Lord God himself, he will reward those that have been faithful to him in this life. It, it's great news. And, and then he talks about the judgment of the nations. And, and when you come down to the end, you see the great battles and over Megiddo in the, in the Valley of Megiddo. And uh, it's over a high place. There's been a couple of major battles in Scripture that have been fought there. It's a perfect place to have a battle. And the West and the East rise up in Armageddon. It's the war of wars. And it's just crazy. But I'm going to tell you, God always wins. I just want you to remember that. If you're on God's side, you win. If you're against God, you're not going to stand. He's going to annihilate everything. It's, it's going to be horrific. Blood is going to rise up. I know if your kids are here, you're going, oh, man. You explain that to them at dinner. It'll help them sleep. Okay, so the Bema seat here, the judgment of the nations. And then this, when I think about the white throne judgment, that is for those that don't know Jesus. That's when there'll be the gnashing of teeth. People will be thrown into the eternal lake of fire. That's, that's when hell is a very serious reality. And it's one of the judgments of God. Believers don't go through the white throne judgment. How many of you are glad? I'm real glad. I get to go to the Bema seat. I get to get judged for being faithful to Christ and not being faithful in what he gives me. And then I can cast it back at the feet of Jesus. And you're saying, well, pastor, I'm glad you're telling us this. Listen to this. I just want you to hear the bad news. Scripture's clear. There's a terrible time of judgment. It's coming on human history. The good news. It's clear that people that repent, return to the Lord, they get the blessing of God. Just listen to these verses. I just want you to listen. The Lord will be zealous for his land. Chapter 2, verse 18, he's zealous for Israel. The Lord will have pity on his people. The Lord will send his people grain and new wine and oil. Verse 19. Verse 21, the Lord will do great things. How many of you believe the Lord will do great things? I do. Verse 22, Israel will turn green again. Where it's been desolate and horrible, it's going to flourish. It's going to be beautiful. The fig tree, the fine, will yield its fruit again in full. Thanks be to God. Verse 25, the Lord will make up to those who have repented for the years that the locusts have eaten. You repent. God can restore. I just got to camp there. There's a young person today that's sitting out there or is going to watch this podcast. And they're going to go... I've already messed up, and I'm going to say to you, oh, there's a camera there. Sorry, it's usually there. I'm going to say to you, that's okay, repent. Christ can restore. I don't care what you've done. And you're saying, but Keith, I'm 35, I'm 75, and I've messed up. And I say, I don't care. Repent. The Lord can restore. Does anybody need to hear that today? And then you're saying, well, no, man, we're so perfect. Really? Perfect, huh? Wow. You really are lost. Okay, you need Christ here. So here it is, the Holy Spirit moving powerfully, publicly, personally, persistently. God unleashes his power on the land. 
But he's a king. He rules. And I'm just going through that saying repentance is a gateway to blessing. I'm like, God, I want your people, I want to experience the blessing of Christ. And, and I could talk to you about so many more. Write down Matthew 25, 31. Uh, let's flip over here the nations chapter 3 in those days and those times I will restore the fortunes of Judah that's southern Israel and Jerusalem and he talks about his scattered people verse 9 proclaim this among the nations prepare for war rouse the warriors that's the great war I told you folks it's coming it, I don't want you to be surprised one day my pastor never talked about the end and there would be tremors of war and earthquakes and all this crazy stuff and pestilence and locusts and then he didn't never tell me about Armageddon we're just trying to touch on it today and then verse 12 he goes but let the nations be roused. Let them advance in the valley of Jehoshaphat. In verse 13, swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. That's just vintage evil. That's just evil rampant. That sounds like America, I hate to say. But look at verse 16. I don't want you to leave it walk here going, that's the most depressing message you've ever preached. It's not for the believer. Let, let's go down here in, in verse 16. The Lord will roar from Zion. Now, I think that's pretty cool when God roars. That's going to be awesome. And thunder from Jerusalem, the earth and sky will tremble. But the Lord, circle this, the Lord will be a refuge for his people. I write about that all the time in our church. I've told Donna, I said, I hope Christ's community will be a refuge for broken people. I hope people will run from the storms of life to the refuge of the church of the living Christ. You know who the church is? the body of Christ. I hope, the, I, hope people, I hope the community runs to us that we can pour them to Jesus. So there it is. I'm just going. And then here he goes, verse 17, blessings for God's people. Then you will know that I'm the Lord your God. I dwell in Zion, my holy hill. Jerusalem will be holy. Never again will foreigners invade her. Do you think God's jealous of Israel? Read your Bible. He is. I need to go sit down with our president maybe and share this with him. I don't know. In that day, the mountains will drip new wine, the hills will flow with milk, and all the ravens of Judah will... Ravines. Ravines. I don't know what a raven is. Ravines of Judah will run with water, and a fountain will flow out of the Lord's house, and it will water the valley of Achaeus. But Egypt, Egypt's always associated with sin. He says, it will be desolate. Edom, a desert waste because of violence done to the people of Judah in whose land they shed innocent blood. Judah will be inhabited forever. That's southern Israel here. In Jerusalem throughout all generations, their blood guilt, which I have not pardoned. I will pardon. I will dwell in Zion. Let's give God some praise this morning. God's going to rule. Amen. Yeah, man, that's, that's just good stuff. So, you know, I mean, you're like, God, you know. So here, here's a quick word. Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. America, repent. America, turn back to God. Don't bring judgment on yourself. You know what the word says? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. That's the promise of God. It's a promise for America so are you listening? Some of you are saying, well, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too goofy, whatever. Man, listen to God. Stand for Christ. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. And here's what I want to do today. I want to land the plane. And in landing today, I want you to make a decision if you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ. Because this could be the very last day that you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed. I'm not trying to scare you, but people die every day. They get in automobiles, they get sickness. Matter of fact, I've got to tell you all something. 
uh, I'm on the board of Go International, and we've been a partner with them forever. And we have a, a, a trip right now in Peru. And I got a text two days ago, and it said, Pastor Keith, board, start praying. We've just had a death of one of our team members in Peru. 72-year-old man on a mission trip. He had a massive heart attack, and he died. And I went, wow. I mean, can you imagine going on a mission trip and you die? Now, I think it's pretty cool. I told Donna that last night. I said, that's cool. He was serving God. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to think, I ain't going on a mission trip with you. You're going to push us. Well, I thought about it. No, no, no. I'm thinking, serving the purposes of Christ, is there any higher purpose? I'm grieving for his family this morning, and they have to get him back to his family and to his church. But, man, he's with the Lord, and he was serving Christ. I'm thinking, man, that's pretty cool. So today, the Bible just says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. We don't know if tomorrow even comes. Today is. So it could be this morning somebody wants to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I'm going, God, that would be a great thing. The nations rage against God. God will one day judge the nations, as I've told you from the book of Joel. God will judge us. And I'm so glad that he's long-suffering, and he's patient, and he's loving, and he's full of love, and he's full of mercy, but he's also full of judgment. And these aren't always the most popular texts to preach. I mean, nobody says, let's pick, preach out of Joel. But I said, no, you know what? I preached Psalms a couple years ago. I said, I'm going to preach out of the book of Joel this summer, or out of the uh, minor prophets. Can help us. So let's pray together. Would you bow your heads, and we're going to come out and do a great song of worship. Father, this morning... I'm just believing the Spirit of Christ reigns and rules in the hearts of people here. And I believe that probably you don't rule in the hearts of some people. And today, I pray they're not scared. I pray they could be revived by the Spirit of the living Christ. And they would cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm not going to make it. Jesus, I fall short. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I need to be covered by your blood today. Make me fit for heaven. I'm going to do that thing pastor said. I'm going to repent. That means turn from sin. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to turn my heart to you. I give you my heart. I rend my heart. I rend my garments to you today, Lord Jesus. Come. Come and invade my life today. Take over. Be the Lord of my life. Give me heaven when I die. But give me abundant, eternal, overflowing, joy-filled life every day that I draw breath on this side of heaven. I receive you now, Lord Jesus, as Savior and Lord.